This episode of the Shooter's Touch is brought to you by Forged Athletics. At Forged Athletics, we connect athletes and or athletes' parents to sports-specific trainers for personal or small group training sessions. You can go to GoForgeAthletics.com to see our list of trainers, to see pricing for those trainers, and get that trainer booked. Again, GoForgeAthletics.com and be forged. Shooters, welcome in to another episode of the Shooters Touch Podcast. We have to thank all of you. Uh, we've really got some momentum. This thing continues to grow as we continue to grow the game of basketball here in Iowa, one story at a time. And we thank it. We thank each and every one of you for spreading the word, for following along with this journey. Uh, the best thing you can do for us is to continue to share it with a friend. Um, tell somebody about us. Tell us what we're doing, what the mission is over here. And then jump on wherever you get your podcast and, and drop a five-star review for us. It just it makes it easier for people to find us as we continue to move forward. And again, we, we thank you and we're excited about this and where, where things will continue to go. With that, today we bring on Adam Jones. He's the head girls basketball coach over at Dallas Center Grimes. He's had a program over there that just continues to climb, uh, make strides, make gains each and every year. And this year was no different as they went ahead and won the conference. I uh, lost in a semifinal uh, triple overtime game to Xavier this year down at Wells Fargo. Uh, but it was a lot of fun talking to Coach, getting his philosophy on things. He spent um, several years over on the boys' side, so making the switch to the girls' side, having the opportunity to have his own program and uh, be a head coach was really neat to kind of hear his perspective and insight on that. Uh, we think you'll enjoy this one. A lot, a lot of good things. Adam was a lot of fun to talk to. Um, let us know what you think. Uh, drop, a, drop a note in the comments, text SDM, whatever works. Let's get into it. Shooters shoot. I was getting, I was getting a lot of no letters. And I kept some of the letters because it was like motivation for me. I was young in my coaching career. I did know that those guys I was coaching, this was their one opportunity. Just make them better. If I want to keep playing this game, you know, as a job, I, I have to continue to get better at that. You have to figure out a way to carve out some value that you have that you can bring not only to your team, but also your profession. It's really good information, and I pick up little nuggets all the time. For me, it's all about confidence, man. You, you have to have confidence to be a shooter, to be uh, a basketball player in general, and to have success. You, you, it's all about confidence. Well, Coach Jones, welcome to the Shooter's Touch. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Yeah, Coach, we're excited to have you on, uh, hear a little bit about your story and the, the path that uh, landed you at Dallas Center Grimes. Um, but before we get into that, it sounds like even tonight, I know you're playing a little dad Uber driving all over the place. Um, tell, us, tell us a little bit about the, the family and what you have at home and the activities that you guys are involved in right now. Um, okay, yeah, we got, uh, I've got four kids. My oldest is a senior, 18. I have a 16-year-old son that's a sophomore. Uh, it's my daughter's 13. And I have another daughter that's 11. So tonight was a daughter's track meet, 
couple practices and a basketball workout. So, um, you know, I have two that can drive, so that helps a lot. But uh, when basketball is over, I am a uh, Uber driver for sure. <laughs> you got to make up for that lost time when you're uh, in the gym and doing all your prep stuff. Spring comes, it's dad time. That's right. Dad time for sure. So, well, good. No, that's exciting. Obviously, keep you on your toes, keep you going. Um, we'll get in as, as we continue to do here. Uh, talk a little about a bit about your son and, um, you know, obviously the season that they had um, and kind of how it ran parallel a little bit with the season that you guys had. And then ultimately um, with his decision here recently, um, choosing the Beavers, going to the alma mater of, of yours and going up to BV. Um, that's right. What was that decision like for him? I guess since I brought it up, I want to know already. Um, going through <laughs> making that decision, um, was he leaning that way right from the get-go? Does, does he have a little bit of that, that navy, and, navy and yellow in his blood, or what was the deal? Yeah, you know, all along, we, he knew he wanted to play, and he's just he's a good fit for a small college. And so the, the uh, American Rivers Conference now, I guess, um, was a good fit for him. There were some schools he looked and talked to coaches at Central and Simpson, Coe, Warburg, and BB. And, you know, I, I don't know if necessarily BB was a front runner. I stayed out of it. Obviously, I didn't want to sway his decision at all. Um, we went and watched BB and Warburg play. Uh, and I think, you know, down the stretch, the last four or five weeks, uh, he just built a stronger relationship, I think, with BB and that's kind of the decision he made, you know, fit him from a basketball standpoint, both, you know, both of his final choices, both kind of fit his basketball standpoint, but then he had to figure out the academic side. And once he was comfortable with that, he decided to be a beaver. So I can't argue with him. There you go. I tell you <laughs> what, um, yeah, he watching him play a little bit throughout the year, obviously he can shoot the snot out of it. And so it's uh, um, something that uh, any coach would, would welcome and, um, continue to get bigger and stronger. He'll be he'll be really good at that level, and so that'll be that'll be fun for you to be able to go back and obviously watch games. And you know, having Central and Simpson down this way, not have to travel too far for some of those games. And so it's got to be something you're looking forward to as a dad now. Yeah, definitely excited to kind of you know, it's been a long time since I've been able to follow real closely with all the other basketball stuff. And my kids were younger; it's tougher to get back up to BV and watch, but. Now we have a little bit more of a reason to, um, you know, I think Jackson's best basketball is ahead of him. He's still, still kind of improving each year. So being interested to see kind of where he goes. Yeah, absolutely. Well, that's fun. Um, well, like we do here at Sears Touch, we always kind of turn the hands back a little bit and we want to know where the love kind of started with basketball and how you got to this position. Obviously anybody that's um, coaching high school basketball, there's an extreme love and passion for the game and um, big reason why we want people on the podcast because we want to hear about that. And so what was, uh, what was childhood like for you? Where, what role did sports play? Where'd you grow up? What was the, fi the family dynamics? Tell us, just paint that picture for us and the listeners. Okay. Well, I grew up, I grew up in Jefferson, Iowa. So it's about 50 minutes from here, kind of in between, Carol and Ames are on Highway 30, and uh, from about the age of four on, that's where I lived, and, and sports was a huge part of my, my childhood. It was, you know, a home run derby in the, the open lots to flag football with socks to, you know, park ball, dunk ball, you know, with ball, whatever we could do to compete. 
kind of what I did growing up with my neighbors and the kids in my neighborhood and um, basketball from a love standpoint, I, you know, I, I kind of, I was the type of kid when I was really young that, you know, little league and whatever sport was in was a sport that I played and that's what I wanted to do. And, you know, run punt and pass and all those things, all those, you know, it was booster club tournaments and um, the elk shootout and all those things, you know, whatever, whatever was the season was what I was doing. And, and I think I grew more passionate about basketball, probably fifth, sixth grade um, and kind of grew from there. Uh, you know, the bulls were, were awesome at that point And that's kind of just following them and, and the Hawks, I was a big Hawkeye growing up. So, you know, that, that's kind of where the love started. And I just kind of grew and grew. Well, great. And I guess what, um, uh, with that being said, you know, obviously uh, us being from, you know, smaller towns as well, um, very similar where, uh, yeah. you know, you kind of like the, your favorite sport was a sport that was in season that you were playing right. and home run derby, you know, really, really hits a core with me that, that happened all the time. And, uh, you know, flag football with socks. Um, what about, uh, obviously, obviously basketball, you know, was, was, um, 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 I mean, a fraction of that. Um, when did that kind of, when did that become, you know, Hey, this is what I want to do. You know, this is probably the sport that I'm going to excel the most in. Yeah. I would say probably about fifth or sixth grade, you know, AAU wasn't a thing at all, except for there's a few booster club tournaments and things like that. When I was young and my dad and another dad in town kind of got a bunch of guys in my grade together. And we practiced a couple of times and go play in some booster club tournaments. I remember we'd always go up to Rockwell city. They, they always had a, 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 and I could not wait. It was on my calendar from, you know, early on in the year, I couldn't wait to go to Rockwell city for that tournament, you know, and we kind of played in three or four of them. That was about it. But, but that kind of just fueled my fire. And I, I had some, some guys I liked watching from the, in the high school teams. And, you know, to be honest, to be honest with you, um, Jefferson Scranton six on six girls basketball was out, outstanding. And uh, there was three uh, division one players that played on that, and on one of our high school teams. And, and I honestly remember enjoying that as much as watching the guys play. And, and, uh, um, it's kind of ironic now that I'm a girls basketball coach, but, um, you know, all of those experiences kind of fueled my, my love for basketball. And it's, it, it was the sport I was the best at of all the sports that I played at a young age. So um, it was just natural for me to like that a little bit more, I think. Yeah. So, um, all right. Middle school, high school days, were you, I guess, four sport athlete then um, or three? What, what, uh, what did that look like? Yeah, I played, I played it all. Uh, football basketball and baseball you know junior high I loved baseball and football was I was a running back on our little seventh and eighth grade you know, football team and then in high school I played played all sports football basketball baseball through my freshman year even golfed one year so um kind of did it all but you know I I had a love for basketball but I I had you know roles in each sport that I I enjoyed that's great. It, um, what um, what role do you think those other sports played in uh, you excelling in basketball? Oh, I think they're extremely important. Um, you know, when you when you talk about the multi-sport thing now, it's it's a you know it's a hot topic, obviously, right now, especially when you are coaching in the metro area and 
And these high school kids have so many opportunities to to do more things in an individual individualized, you know, and, and I'm not an advocate for that at all. But, you know, I think being a multi-sport athlete, I think, you know, obviously you hear that you develop um, your muscle groups and you, over, the, you can uh, overcome injuries and, you know, and all those things. And when you go, when you're, when you're in one sport, it's more overuse injuries and all those things. You hear all that stuff. But I think being able to be coached by different types of coaches, um, having, having a role, you know, anymore, you're not going to be the star in all four sports. So, you know, one, one, one team, you might be a, a bench player. One, one team might start next, next, next team, next sport. You might, you know, be more of a practice player or have a different role. And I think that's extremely important. Helps you value the roles of people, um, on all your teams a little bit more. And then, um, you know, I look at our team that we had this year and we played in a semifinal game and I had a roster and everybody on my roster, I could almost everybody at least was a uh, participant in a state track meet or a state volleyball or state softball or state golf, state soccer. All, all of those girls have been in some sort of environment where they're in a pressure situation because um, they played multiple sports. Uh, state cross country is another one. I, I, I can't, I can go up and down a roster and all those girls participated in a sport that was in a, in a state competition. So I, I just think it's extremely valuable. Yeah. And, and you hear a lot about, um, you know, multi-sport athletes, as you mentioned, you know, kind of, you have the ability to use different muscles in those different sports, different coordinations in those different sports. But, you know, I think, obviously a coach's perspective on that, you know, you bring up a good point that you're getting coached by different, by different coaches with different maybe philosophies and different sports um, and different, different coaching styles. So I think that definitely helps too. So I'm happy you um, happy you mentioned that for our listeners as well. Um, well, if our, if our research team um, is accurate here, you could, you could fill it up in high school. It seems um, what uh, uh, tell us a little bit about your game, your high school game. Well, um, I was, fortunate to play as a freshman you know our prior to me being in high school um the years a couple years up to that we were not a very strong basketball school one or two wins um my eighth grade year I think they won four or five not very many and so each year that I was in high school we gradually got a little bit better um but I was I was a shooting guard obviously I I tried not to dribble as much as possible and tried to just catch and shoot. Games changed a little bit. Um, if I had a screen, I was good. Um, and about my junior and senior year, I kind of hit a growth spurt there. And, and so I actually, I posted up for my high school team, my, my senior year more than I probably did any other, any other, uh, any other year or in, in college for that matter. But yeah, um, did like to shoot it and uh, kind of try to pass that on to my son a little bit. So <laughs> that's not a bad thing. Um, yeah. You, you mentioned coming off screens and maybe not taking a lot of dribbles. That uh, sounds like, sounds like one of us that I know it might be pointing to myself. Um, <laughs> so we're, we're, yeah. we're, we're good with that. We're good with that. Um, well, obviously, you know, as, as, as we mentioned, could score a little bit, you know, it obviously is a, obviously a very good high school player. Um, what was the, uh, what was the recruiting process like? And obviously, as we mentioned too, you know, you ended up with the Beavers. What was the recruiting process like for you? 
Uh, very different than it is now, that's for sure. Um, there was, if you sent a highlight video, it was a VHS tape. You know, it was sent in the mail. And, you know, I don't know if a whole lot of that happened. Um, actually, I quit. I did not play baseball my junior and senior year. And I, I went to camps. I, I went to UNI's camp. I went to Creighton's camp. Um, I went to, you know, all these camps by myself. And, you know, I was just there trying to get better, obviously, and to meet coaches and kind of network a little bit. Um, mm -hmm. And, you know, I knew a lot of the Iowa Conference. At that point, it was the Iowa Conference. A lot of those coaches I already knew. Um, throughout my senior year, I, I don't know if you remember the name Terry Carroll. Terry Carroll was uh, – he was an assistant at Indian Hills at that point. And you and I was going through a coaching change. And um, Eldon Miller was on his way out. And they were trying to find a new coach. And Terry Carroll wanted me – to come to Indian Hills and I was not fit for that game. That was not my style. Um, I was not going to go the junior college route. So, uh, yeah, so he was in, involved in that. If I get this UNI job, you know, we might have some interest there. Um, Creighton had asked me to walk on. Um, Truman State had offered me, I don't even remember. It wasn't a full scholarship, but a partial scholarship. And ironically, when I was in high school, we played Dallas Center Grimes and Bill Watson, who's the AD now at Urbandale, was the head coach here. And he's a West Point grad. And so he made a contact with West Point. They did offer me. I did go out and visit West Point. Um, and I did not decide not to go into uh, four years of the military service afterwards. I have a lot of respect for those guys, but it, I don't know if I was cut out for it. Um, and so... I ended up going to BB and, you know, it was between BB and Truman State down the stretch. And uh, I had some some high school friends from other schools that were up there. I had built a relationship with Coach Van Hafton from camps from like the age of, I don't even know, 11 or 12 years old, going up there to Storm Lake. They used to have an Iowa basketball camp up there. And so I just had a relationship with him and, you know, it came down to that's who I wanted to play for and that's who I wanted to play with. And, you know, Money didn't matter and scholarships didn't matter. I just wanted to play and I it fit and I wouldn't I wouldn't change my choice or decision today. So that's awesome. I, that's uh, that story right there too, and just kind of that progression through. There's a lot of what's changed with um, the Iowa. I still call it the Iowa Conference. The Iowa Conference <laughs> yeah. Division Three level um, is they're just they're not getting those kids like you have there's two there's and I, there's just all these other options where before it was like yeah. you know like I, I have an opportunity to you know these small d1s like this type of you know I could be on a make a roster and that's why the Iowa conference in that time because that would have been what late 98 98 I was gonna say late 90s um the Iowa conference, you know, went on a 10 year stretch there where it was just really good. And it was yeah. a lot of that, that level, that tier of kids from Iowa that were going to the Iowa conference. And, you know, there was always four or five schools in that league that were just really good. And so that's, that's neat. But I'm also glad that you brought up those Iowa camps that they had up at Storm Lake. That was, those were like legit camps. Yeah, they were awesome. My, you know, my, my, my cousin actually, um, lived in Storm Lake. He is now the athletic director at, at Buena Vista, but I used to go stay with him for a week. And, and you know, then when I was in college, I worked the camp. Yep. Um, and that was a lot of fun. But when I was in, growing up, I, I loved it. 
it was a day camp and they brought it. I mean, the Iowa coaching staff was there and they brought all the players and it was like going to Iowa city, but it was way smaller and it was, it was a lot of fun. And, you know, I've met a lot of people. I don't know if you've ever gone and listened to Damon Dotson sing, but Damon Dotson, he was a stud. He was a stud from Okaboji and he used to come to that camp and he, we used to go at it and compete and, now all of a sudden he's, you know, he's, look at him. He's yeah. singing all over the place, but yeah. you know, I knew him when he was a ball player. So. Yeah, that it, it was, you're right though, too, because you go to, you go to Iowa camp and you know, there's 2000 kids. I mean, it's crazy. And you go up to storm Lake and it's essentially the same thing, but like you're hanging out with the players, like you're like, they don't have anywhere to go. They don't have any distractions. And so that was really cool. We're uh smoky bars, good family friend of ours. And so he okay. was, yeah, so he he was obviously roped in, and some of the players stayed with him and stuff. And so we would we'd always be up bopping around, and yeah, that was uh, that was quite the quite the deal. But that was cool that they did that. Um, I don't even know. I I know Smokey had his hand in that somehow, but I don't know even what or how that whole connection came together. But um, just the same way they used to tour when they did that senior tour, you know, and those guys would go around and play. Yeah. We used to do some really yeah. cool things. Like I get why we don't do them now, but man those back yeah. in those days like those were just really cool events and and honestly i mean the amount of hawkeye fans that they probably pulled from northwest iowa because of that was was huge yeah yeah, yeah that was a lot of fun but that's when i was about i think i was probably about a sixth grader van hafton was my coach for two years in a row up okay. there and that's kind of where our relationship started honestly and since then it, it grew obviously and and I've gotten to know him a lot better, and then you know, I played for him for four years, and still keep in touch now. But uh, it started all the way back then. So you didn't try to push your son up to door or anything, or what was the deal there? Um, well, we we did. We looked at it, <laughs> and uh, you know, and we talked to VH about him a little bit, and it just wasn't the right fit for Jackson right now. So, yeah. but I would I'd love for him to to be coached by him, no doubt. Yeah, no, that's uh, that's awesome. Um, uh, so as, as we kind of take a look back through the, the, the playing days, um, actually, I want to touch. So camp wise in high school, you, you talked about you, we didn't have I like two things that you said that like having like four or five tournaments to look forward to as a kid and like circling them on your calendar. I think obviously there's a lot of good things that come with the amount of games and the amount of exposure that these kids have. But yeah. being able to like have those one or two tournaments that you like, I can't wait to go up to Rockville. Yeah. I can't wait. Um, was really neat i think that there's a little bit of that that's lost in the here we go where are we going this weekend um yeah. grind of it um but then camp wise you and i camp so did you go to did you happen to go to the big man point guard camp i know that that was something that might have been in the first place i met adam i think with him and i yeah. going into our senior year were um up at big man point guard what what camps do you remember at, at you and i Gosh, I don't know. It was probably a skills camp. I was not going to a point guard camp, and I wasn't going to a big man camp. <laughs> yeah. I needed I needed that point guard to pass me the ball, and I needed the big man to kick it out. To me. <laughs> there you go. We like the we like the sound of that, and that and then yeah. tons of Eldon Miller camps too. I I probably still have yep. one of those basketballs floating around here somewhere. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Back in the in the dome, um, that was, those were always a lot of fun. It's funny that to think that like you would go to a camp to kind of network and make, you know, get exposure and play in front of different people and, pl- and even play against different kids. Uh, just yep. 
concept of that now with, I mean, these guys playing against each other every weekend is, is completely different. So I also went to the future stars weekends. Remember those? I don't know. Remember those things? That was a money crunch right there. I just, um, I, I remember one year I went and I was, uh, I was on, um, I'm trying to, I'm trying to think exactly where we were. It was, uh, I don't know if we were in Pella. I don't think we were in Pella. We were over in, in Eastern Iowa or something, but um, gosh, I'm, I'm losing, losing my train of thought here. Played at Pella, shooters in the NBA. Um, Corver. Corver, Kyle Corver. Yep. Kyle Corver was near my age. And, you know, those things, nobody passed the ball to anybody. And <laughs> I, this kid wearing his Pella shirt came over to me and he's sitting down, looks at him and goes, I think we're a lot alike, which we weren't a lot alike, but he was a lot better than me. But he looks at me and he goes, I'll give you the ball if you give me the ball. And I'm like, all right, deal. So we were on the same team for one one, one of those weekends, but um, kind of a cool story. But, yeah, th- those things, well, I went to those things and everything else. But ultimately, you know, I think that you want to go back to what you said earlier about the Iowa Conference, now the American Rivers Conference, back in the, that 10-year span is, you know, Kids weren't getting as much you know, attention. There was no Twitter and no highlight videos. And, you know, they were able to find that diamond in the rough that there isn't one anymore. They're all uncovered and, you know, um, everybody knows those players. And so I think that it's it's kind of transitioned. And now that the NAIA has more money and um, it's it's kind of it's kind of hurt that league a little bit in terms of being able to find that player that's borderline. It used to be borderline Division two, II, Division three. Uh, would make that league really good is the, the guys who are really good in that league could have played division two basketball. And now those guys, if they want to, they can, cause they're noticed. And, you know, now some of those guys, that borderline guy goes NIA a little bit. So, you know, it's kind of, it's transitioned a little bit, but at the end of the day, those guys that play in that league, they love to play and they love hoops. So that's, uh, that's all that really matters. Yeah, and it's uh, it still is high level. Like when you get to oh, especially sure. the top two, three teams in the league, and those are going to be you know two or three really good teams. Um, but yeah, no, I agree. I, and I've never really thought of it that way. But that is a big part of um, why things have changed so much. It's just like you said, the exposure that people are getting, um, you know, the understanding that they have, and so. All right, so um, finishing up up there in Storm Lake, start uh, start getting close. You guys, oh, wait, so you guys do J term, right? So you guys did J term up at um, up at BV, and so then getting close to May, getting graduation senior year. Um, what's the plan? What's the thought? Are you were you a, a education uh, major? Did you know that uh, teaching and coaching, or what was the what was the plan? Well. Um... Going going into my senior year, I, I mean, obviously I knew I was going to teach, and and you know, I I knew that basketball was in my future uh, in terms of coaching at some point. And I just loved the game, and and when I decided to become an education major, I wanted to continue being being involved in basketball at some point. And coach coaching is always always in the back of my mind. I don't know if I decided I wanted to be a coach early on because when I was you know when I was young, I was just going to play basketball forever. I thought. Um, and, you know, then when you grow up and realize I'm going to have a job someday, uh, co- coaching is what I decided I wanted to do along with, you know, teaching and coaching. So when I when I got ready to leave um, Storm Lake, you know, I found a job at Guthrie Center. Um, and 
I know I was going to get married. I was engaged to be married my senior year. And so I got married the summer after my senior year and we decided to live in Grimes. My wife worked downtown and at nationwide downtown. And I, and I decided to coach and teach in, in Guthrie center. So Grimes was kind of the halfway mark. So we, we found a spot here. Man, those uh, those year removed or those right after college weddings were always the best. Had to been yeah. had to been a good a good time. Yeah, yeah. I got married in Storm Lake, so we're both. She's a BB grad, and I'm a BB grad, so we got married in Storm Lake. So I'll, at that point, yeah, I was the first one of my buddies to get married. So any trips to uh, Malarkey's then, or what's the deal? Um, there probably was that night. Yeah, I'm sure there was. <laughs> Oh man, that's, uh, that's good. Uh, so Guthrie center, how long, uh, how long were you at Guthrie center? I taught and coached there for two years, two years. And then I came to, um, Dallas center Grimes in 2004, fall of 2004. Well, what'd you coach while you were there? I coached seventh grade football and I was the assistant football, one of the assistants on the varsity team there, obviously, because if you're a coach there, you coach about everything, um, yeah. at that point. And, I was the assistant boys basketball coach, which also meant I was the head JV coach and the freshman coach and varsity assistant. There's just two of us. Yeah. So yeah, I would, I would drive to school in the, in the winter and after school, I'd just hang out and go through center until we played, you know? Uh, and at that point, Monday and Thursdays were JV games. So I'd go Monday to Glidden and then I'd come home to go through center and then I'd drive Grimes and the next night I do the same thing with varsity so it was a uh, you know that's what you do when you're small co small town coach and I just didn't live in town I uh I know exactly so I, I coached up at Madrid and so I remember oh, my, yeah. first, my first couple of years um I, I hated that I hated the win because like for us, I mean, we only had 16, 18 girls. And so it was like, okay, JV team's gone Monday. Okay, we can't prepare for Tuesday. My coach is gone and then gone Thursday, gone Friday. Yeah, it was just a crazy schedule. Like, there's got to be a way we can get – I understand from a facility standpoint it was tough, but, like, we got to get these yeah. games on the same night. So we're all in the same gym. We're all on the same bus um, practice-wise. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, and then I, I – well, the one year, my first year, I lived in town, but then I didn't either. So I was, I was in the same boat. It was just a lot of, a lot of hanging out in the coach's office, um, getting things prepared and um, prepping, which isn't always bad, but uh, uh, you definitely, definitely learn a lot. And so then, so how did the Grimes come about? Was it something that um, you were kind of looking, or obviously with you living in Grimes, you're like, hey, as soon as an opportunity comes. Um, or did you have your eyes and hearts set on trying to find a, another basketball position? Uh, honestly, if, 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 uh, Guthrie center would have been a little bit closer, I wouldn't have been looking anywhere. That was, I really enjoyed my time at Guthrie center and a bunch of great people, um, great coaches, you know, great community. They love their sports there. And so I, I really enjoyed being there. It wasn't anything with Guthrie center. I just, it was a lot of travel and, you know, my son was born during those two years. And so, you know, I, I was seeing him asleep and that was about it. And in, in, the, in the winter. And so I decided we decided that if there was anything that came up, came up in, in the area and it happened to be Dallas Center Grimes, you know, um, I was going to try and try and get that job. So I got the job in the fall of 2004 and um, happened to be the last year that Coach Rankin's it was Coach Rankin's third year here, 
And so his uh, freshman coach was, was uh, going to retire or was done coaching. And so I kind of walked into that spot and I was his assistant coach for 11 years. 11 years with coach Rankin, huh? Any, right. uh, any, uh, any good scorers? He's a, he's a past guest. So we, we feel like we can hear a couple of good ones if you have them. Oh, I got a lot of Rankin stories for sure. Um, they're probably, they're probably all good, right? They're all good. They're all good. Um, no, but honestly, I was his assistant for 11 years and, you know, we weren't great when, when we started. He's, he's stood the test of time and, you know, he's, he's rebuilt that program to something pretty special. And we have a pretty good friendship with being his assistant for 11 years. Then the 12th year, uh, I was a freshman coach and my, I had a fifth grader and a third grader. And I was trying, I was kind of in the, like, in my, I'm coaching freshmen and I'm helping with the varsity, but I'm also coaching my fifth grade son and my third grade son. And, you know, if I'm going to coach high school, I want to be a head coach. Otherwise I'm going to coach my kids. And, so I took a year, a year off there. My 12th would have been my 12th year. And I just volunteered. I wasn't paid. And I just watched film for Rankin. And, and I went to one practice a week and, and help them prepare for some teams and then sat in the, the bench postseason. And it was kind of a volunteer basis so I could coach my kids. And then the following year is when the girls' job opened up. So. Gotcha. Yes. Uh, obviously a little, uh, easier as a, as a, as a volunteer, I've, I've volunteered with several, um, high school teams and, you know, one of the, if, especially if you have little, you know, if you have younger kids, it, one of the best parts about volunteering is it's not a every night, every day type thing, you know, it's kind of a, as you, as you want to essentially. So, um, yeah, definitely, definitely went that route before. And I understand why you did that, but, um, so the girls job opened up, um, yep. Was that kind of, you know, a, hey, it's an opening, I'm going to apply to it? Or, or you know, has, has the girls' side of things kind of interested you, um, I guess, for a while there? I, I, you know, graduating from college, I never would have thought I would have been a girls' basketball coach. I was, you know, I was going to go be a head coach right away as soon as I could become one. And I'm very thankful I wasn't. Um, and, you know, I learned a lot being an assistant coach for, for 13 years. And, and when that girls' job opened up, I – Honestly, I hadn't really thought about it up until that point and it opened up and I, my kids were at an age by then that's, you know, we kind of had our roots here and they had friendships and, you know, I, I wasn't wanting to uproot our family to go become a high school head coach. And so this was kind of the, the route for me. And so I did apply and I ended up getting the job and thankful to Steve Watson because um, he gave me the opportunity and, 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 uh, there was probably a lot of other coaches wanting a Dallas Intergrams coaching job and he gave me the opportunity and it's been great. Was it, yeah. uh, do you have any of that six on six vibes coming back from uh, growing up to kind of steal, steal some tricks that you learned watching those girls? You know what? We play six on six every year, at least once, just, just kind of make sure they understand that you only get two dribbles and you got to pick it up. And, yeah. So, yeah. It's kind of fun. That's good. That's good. Um, what's the, what was the biggest transition for you, coach, uh, being in that, you know, two, three, four chair to being in the first chair. You mean from being a, from boys to girls or just from assistant uh, to head? Assistant to head. Okay. Um, well, you know, there's, there's a lot of differences. I think the first thing that kind of hit me was how, just how much there is to do as a high school head coach. Um, 
it's just at that point I was overwhelmed. We're, we're having, you know, it was time to get camps ready and meet your players and try and understand who your players were. They didn't know me from anybody. <clears throat> and so I had to get to know them a little bit. And then we had camps and try to um, start your summer. And then uh, that was the biggest probably shock was all of that. And then, you know, throughout the year, basketball never really stops. It doesn't really end. Um, it just changes and you get, you know, your summers and then your, your different things in the fall. And it's kind of becoming your round sport in some aspects, at least from a coaching standpoint, it, it, you're always thinking about what's next. Um, that was the biggest thing I think was just, just the, the amount of time that you spend on basketball and how your brain never really stops thinking about it um, is kind of the, the biggest thing, but you know, there's lots of little things that, you know, when you call a timeout, you know, you're the one that has to speak now. And, you know, like you have to, you have to be the one that's ready. And, you know, those little things you just kind of used to just sit and relax and he'll take care of it. I'll tell him what I think and then he'll take care of it. But, uh, um, you know, that kind of, kind of hits you all of a sudden when it's, when it's your turn. Yeah. Uh, you know, we've talked to plenty of, plenty of coaches on this podcast, you know, very, very similar stories to that, you know, um, as you kind of mentioned, you know, you're, you're in that second chair and you, know, you kind of get your, your input, but uh, you know, now you're not, now you're the head guy, the head coach, and you need to, uh, you need to be on all the time. You know, the camps, like you said, bus trips, whatever it is, there's a lot of, a lot of organization, a lot of planning, but um, what about uh, the transition from boys to girls now? Um, you know, we, we've talked to coaches who have done this before too, and uh, have some, uh, have, have had some good input on this, but what about you? Uh, what, what, what was uh, the biggest transition or, 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 or the biggest change that maybe you didn't expect? Um, I do get asked that question quite a bit. And usually I get asked like, you know, what's the biggest difference And the, there's not a ton of difference. And, you know, every year that goes by girls basketball just keeps getting better and better. And, and so there's, there's not a ton of difference. I think that it was more in, in the approach I've, I'm just by nature, I'm kind of a quieter quieter person and and then my demeanor as a coach probably fits girls maybe better than than others but you know their girls are emotional and um when you coach them they buy in a lot faster because they are emotional and you know if you can build those relationships and show them you care and show them that you're there for them and that they matter and you know that that carries a lot of weight and you know that that probably was one of the biggest differences, uh, you know, I coached, I, I coached the senior class of boys a lot and, you know, freshman boys and, you know, they always know what you're supposed to be doing. They think they know what you're supposed to be doing, you know, like, and the girls, they want to hear what you're supposed to do and they want to, they want to learn and they kind of soak it up a little bit more and want to be coached maybe a little easier at times. Um, but yeah, there's definitely some differences, but I would say those are the biggest ones, but as far as basketball is concerned, I don't treat it any different. How, uh, how big a difference do you think it made um, having daughters uh, from what have your daughters taught you about uh, coaching girls basketball? And then ultimately what has being a girls coach taught you about being a dad to a couple daughters? Uh, well, there's definitely a difference between being a, uh, having a son and a daughter. Um, there's a connection that's a little different with your daughter than there is with your boys. And, and, you know, having daughters probably was one of the reasons that I was kind of in the first place, kind of intrigued by the girls basketball position is just, you know, I gave me an opportunity to 
have an impact on uh, programming, which they're going to be a part of and something that I love and have passion for. And so, um, but going back to your question, you know, as far as is coaching, coaching my daughters, is that what you want to know? Or like, no, yeah, just in general, I think, cause obviously let's see. So your daughter, so you would have had your daughters before becoming the girls coach. Right. And so, yeah. Uh, so obviously, like you said, there's a certain bond there and then there's certain things that you learn from, from, from being a parent to daughters, um, yes. to girls. And then there's a thing that you learn about coaching them too. And I think that it kind of crosses over. I think it helps you be a better dad. And I think it helps you be a better coach. Yes. It definitely having kids has made, and daughters has made me understand and be a better coach of girls. Uh, you have to talk your way, talk through things sometimes and, you know, you know, girls are competitive. They're very competitive, but sometimes um, it doesn't doesn't stay on the floor. And sometimes some some of those competitiveness go home. And sometimes you have to you know solve those issues and those conversations. Sometimes aren't always um, understood. Whereas boys, you flip the switch when practice is over and it's over. And you know, it's a little bit different there. But my daughter is now 13, so I'm learning a lot more about what some of those parents of my players go through <laughs> well, well and I think too to that point about the switch kind of flipping on and off the same thing goes like leading into practice like the boys you, you know you can kind of go through a school day and it kind of is what it is and things can happen a girl goes through the school day very differently and she can kind of come bring that stuff to practice with them and then you're so you're yeah. kind of like what am I dealing with here whereas you know a boy kind of it, it kind of is what it is um and we'll forget about it and you know punch whoever i need to after practice um and so that's like i feel like what the biggest difference is but then like for you too i mean you mentioned it it the ultimate they don't care what you know until they know that you care quote is like ideal for yep. coaching girls basketball because as soon as they know you care like they will run through a wall for you and like you said they're yeah. not trying to imitate or be anybody else they want to do exactly what you asked. And so there are definitely some, some real positives that come from it too. Oh, there's no doubt. You know, you know, I, I don't know if I go back to coaching boys now after I've coached girls for, for seven years, I, I enjoy every minute of it. And, you know, there's a lot of, you know, I, I'm a big believer in relationships and building relationships and I, even, you know, no matter coaching boys or girls, and, and that's kind of the impact that, that, that my coaches have had on me. And, you know, I, it just, it seems to fit real well with, philosophy that I have coaching girls basketball so it's a good fit and like you said the uh, level of play and the level of athlete especially around here in central Iowa um, is 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 gotten crazy like it's so much fun to watch um, obviously your girls were a lot of fun uh, have been a lot of fun were a lot of fun to watch this year uh, just the spacing and the ability to drive and kick and um, you know they were they were a lot of fun to watch and you know continue to be and so um, from, from a philosophy, uh, philosophy standpoint, is it something where you've kind of changed or adapt as all high school coaches have? Um, I, I see a lot, I see a lot of Adam Jones out there standing ready to shoot uh, quick trigger. I mean, there's gotta be a little bit of the playing days that bleeds over, but what kind of, what kind of maturation process have you been through in your, your philosophy, especially, I guess, on the offensive end? It's interesting you say that on the offensive end, uh, you know, I'm not a big believer in structure. Um, I, I mean, some structure, but if I don't, I don't want to run a very structured offense. Um, I didn't grow up playing that way. And, you know, I think it's not as fun to play that way, but 
And when you go to coach girls, if it's a structured play, they're going to run it exactly the way you tell them to and exactly the way it's supposed to. And um, there's, they don't, it's, you know, it's gotten way better over the last seven years because girls react and they, they play more basketball outside of, outside of practice. And so um, they learn to react and play a little bit more, but we've evolved a little bit and we have an offense with some, some rules, but with some freedom and you, know, you put the ball in the girl's hands and, and uh, pass and cut and move, but there's some guidelines they need to be following. I can dribble everywhere and, you know, and dribble the air out of it and all that stuff, but there's some definitely guidelines, but we want to play fast and, and, and drive and attack and shoot it. If we have a three that's open, we want to shoot it for sure. So. And so then from, so six years um, as the head coach, um, steady growth. I mean, you guys have kind of, uh, it wasn't something where, you know, the program was in a pretty good position uh, when you took over, um, but you guys have just kind of steadily climbed up one, two or three more games each year. Um, as you mentioned, then getting to the point this year, we're making the semifinal game. What, what do you think has been the biggest change with with the program, uh, with the girls that you've seen um, to be able to get to the point where now it becomes an expectation that, you know, you're getting to the state tournament, that you're getting out of the first round, that, uh, you know, a state championship trip is on the horizon. What do you think is the biggest change so far? Oh, that's a great question. Um, I feel really lucky. I think the last six, seven years, I, I've had we've had a bunch of great kids, just a bunch of really good kids. Uh, early on, I would say that I, I, I've coached more athletes than basketball players. They, they, they were maybe better athletes in other sports, and, and they were good athletes that played basketball. And um, my first year, I had a sophomore that basketball was her love, and that was kind of her first sport. And she was, she played all the time and wanted to play all the time. Now she did a couple, you know, she did, she did uh, um, run cross country, I think, and. But basketball was your love. And then she kind of was the first girl to go through our program. Her name was uh, Jenna Borchers. She plays at Southwest Minnesota State now. Um, she was the one that kind of had the first love of basketball and what I would say is a basketball first girl. Um, and then we had we had a couple more join. That, that number's kind of grown where basketball was – kind of the first love of, of some of those girls. I think that's had a huge impact. I think success breeds success. And, you know, it's kind of increased. We have a youth program that got started um, my first couple of years that, that I think kind of increased the opportunities for girls that maybe they didn't, didn't always have. And so um, I think all of those things kind of played a role. Uh, the conference we played in, playing is tough. And my first couple of years, it was extremely tough. And so, um, Indianola and Pella, Pella Grinnell were always very, very good my, our first couple of years. And, you know, um, over those last six, seven years, we've, we've gradually increased, gotten better. I, I think I've gotten better as a coach um, in terms of knowing what we want to do and, and in certain situations. And, and all of that has played a role in probably why we're competing a little bit now. But I think the biggest thing would be, you know, those having more girls that, that play more outside of basketball season um, has, has impacted our program a lot. And they put in a lot of time shooting. They put in a lot of time working, not just the girls who love basketball, but just all the girls in the program have spent more time. And then, uh, you know, I think our mindset the last couple of years has really changed too, where, you know, 
when I first started getting to state was kind of what a lot of these girls wanted to do. And when the teams I'm coaching now, they, we just, we want to win. We don't want to, we don't want to just get there. It's, it's great to get there and it's, it's an experience to get there, but um, we, we don't want to just stop by getting there. So I think that mindset's kind of changed as well. Yeah, that's good. And I, th- it's, it seems like a small one, but it almost feels like that's probably the biggest change right there. It, it, and, and having those girls, like you said, that love the game and are, are spending more and more time in it. But when the mindset changes and it makes everything else a little bit easier. And, and like you said, you see the successes that the girls that you, you watch, like, you know, the players we watched growing up too, and that it just motivates you to want to continue to, to grow and get in the gym and do the extra work and put the time in, uh, it makes a ton of difference. And like you said, the, the thought of just, yeah, we know we're going to the state tournament. Like we want to, we want to win it now. And, you know, the little things um, that it takes to get there and, you know, have that experience both for you and the players is obviously huge. And so um, let's, let's just go through. We don't not, don't want to spend a ton of time. Don't want to sit here and make you have to recall everything. Although I will say that's probably the one thing I'm the most amazed with that this podcast is some of these coaches recall on, <laughs> on different things, but I want to take a look back, uh, uh, throughout the year. Um, obviously a great run, um, opened up the year with a really good win at, um, at Ballard, uh, against a good team up there and then, um, dropped one to North Polk. Um, and then, uh, kind of went on a little bit of a run, beat, beat a good Benton team that you would end up playing. Um, obviously down here, uh, tough matchup with Grinnell, which I want to get to the second matchup with them as well. And then, um, I, I'm sure that you probably know this, but I think you gave Johnston the, their best game of the year, um, all year, uh, even in that state championship. And so, and that was at Johnston. So what do you remember about kind of that first, let's, let's go that first half of the year leading up into Christmas break, um, and that Johnston game and kind of figuring out what, what you had and what the year was going to look like. Okay. Well, we, we started off at Ballard, which Ballard is, you know, we, we've, We've kind of played about we play about every year, um, but we lost to them in the semifinals by six a year ago. And if you go back you know, the previous season, we opened up and lost to them by 28 to start the year, and then lost by six to them in the semifinal game. So that was quite an improvement from during that season. But lost twice, and you know, we felt like we had the opportunity to do some good things. So we opened the season with a very good win against um, a program that's always great and so it was a good win for us and we turned around and you know we didn't play a very good basketball game um at north polk we didn't play poorly but you know we didn't we didn't defend real well our defense was not the type of defense that we play and then we um kind of pride ourselves with and so we we got we got we way too much dribble penetration and way too many shots and um just didn't didn't play like we were capable of we didn't feel like. And so, but you know, they were a good team all year long. They had a chance to get to the state tournament this year and have a very good squad, but they were young and um, they shot really well that game. So we turned around, won a couple games in a row. And then we did play Benton at the time we played Benton. They were, they were a pretty highly ranked team and they were from the other side of the state and they didn't know us and we didn't know them. And um, our, I think it was probably one of our early in the year, or at least through January, one of our, most our best played all around game uh, where we defended really, really well, shot really well. And uh, they have two really high, high quality players that um, we shut down. And uh, I was very, very excited about that win. It kind of held us 
um, a little bit and got us kind of feeling pretty good about the type of team we had and where we were possibly going to be going. Um, we did turn around and we, we lost to Grinnell the following week, I think it was. Um, and that was a close game. And I'm, I honestly made a couple of mistakes that I learned from during, during that game. Um, and, and we didn't, we didn't stop dribble penetration. We gave up too much dribble penetration and they were very good athletes and they, they are, they run and they shoot it and, and they, that's exactly what they did. And we didn't stop them very well from getting in the paint. And um, that was kind of the difference in that game. And then we did turn around. We played Des Moines Christian the following, following game, and then I believe in Indianola. Indian, that was a good Indianola. win too. Yeah, yeah. Indianola's um, very well coached, very good basketball team, and we had to go there. Um, and so we played Indianola at Indianola. I believe it was at Indianola. Yes, it was. And uh, yeah, very good win for us. And then we turned around and played Johnston. So before Christmas, we played. Um, nine games, six of the teams we played were ranked by the girls union um, in their class. And so to go into Christmas with two or three losses would have been a pretty good start. And uh, we turned around and played Johnston, you know, and Johnston's Johnston. Um, we talked about the American Rivers Conference. They probably would have had a good had a chance to win it. Um, you know, they, they have a lot of very high quality players and you stop one and somebody else I think at the time that we played them in December, they'd already had five or six girls who had scored 20 points or more and really shoot it. And so we really didn't have anything to lose except to go out there and prove that we belonged. And, you know, I think that the mentality we talked about, our girls weren't intimidated. You know, they knew we, we belonged in, in the top five or 10 in our class and wanted to prove that, you know, we, we could compete, you know, whether we won or lost, we were going to give them our best game. And, you know, being so close to them in terms of they're like two miles away, our girls, a lot of them play together in the summer. And so there was a lot of friendships there and they kind of know each other well. And so I, I don't know if that kind of helped us a little bit. It probably made them feel like, you know, they're just, just like us. They're just, they got more, probably more talent than we did. And, and uh, so we played them really well. I thought we defended pretty well and, you know, they had a post player that can score in the post and make free throws. And, and they had a, a shooter go off on us there for a little bit, too. So, um, but overall, I was very proud of our, our start going into Christmas. Yeah, I was going to say. And it's always nice to, um, to have a few of those challenges in the first half of the year and kind of figure out where you need to be at and what, uh, um, what needs to happen and some adjustments that you need to make. But, um, what, so what was the what was the Christmas break message? Uh, because after Christmas break, then uh, you guys came out on a roll, um, a roll in which that spanned over essentially two into two and a half months of a of an unbeaten run here the second half of the year, uh, going back to back beating uh, uh, Grinnell the second time around when they came to your place, and then Indianola uh, in that next matchup. So. I got a couple good weeks in there and then found yourself at the state tournament. So it had to have been, it had to have been coach's message at, you know, during those Christmas practices or something. Right. Yeah. It's always, it's always, always coach's message when you're playing well. Right. Um, uh, no, I, I, we just wanted to be better at what we were doing. Uh, we, we just got better defensively. That's the biggest thing. I think we, we pride ourselves in our defense. We played really good defense all year. 
we had a couple slip ups there early against some really good basketball teams. Uh, and so we just got better defensively. We, we had a scrimmage over Christmas against some really good teams and, and just, we just, honestly, it sounds cliche, but we just read about the next game. We didn't talk about a winning streak. We didn't talk about anything. The only thing we really wanted to do was go undefeated at home. That was one thing that uh, we talked about. We're not going to lose at home. We did play quite a few home games there and, and we did finish the year undefeated at home, which um, is a pretty good, pretty good feat. And we wanted to win the conference. And I think, you know, teams can make runs at state tournament and, and play really well at the end of the year. But if you can win a conference and the conference that we're a part of, I think that's, that's a huge accomplishment because it, it spans over a few months. It's you're, you're, you're going through adversity and you're, 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 you're ups and downs of your season and you're able to handle all those things. So winning the conference titles, pretty, uh, pretty awesome. Yeah, it did. That certainly is. Um, like you said, in a conference in which that, um, you know, has has a good amount of talent and one that uh, you guys have kind of cut your teeth in coming up. Uh, and you talked about defensively. So it looked like 65 points actually in that Johnson matchup. So obviously 5A opponent uh, was the most you guys gave up all year. Otherwise, it looked like a Grinnell in that 50, 54, 53 range. Otherwise, you're keeping these teams in the 20s. Um, a couple of them in the teens. And so defensive side of the ball, you guys are getting after it. We talked about it earlier, uh, offensive philosophy, kind of, you know, dribble drive, um, high screen roll action, I know. And like you said, uh, hands ready, feet ready, ready to shoot the basketball. Uh, saw a lot of really good shooters that did some nice things for you. Got down in the state tournament, uh, as I mentioned earlier, uh, familiar opponent now, uh, like you said, knew nothing about each other. Going in uh, back in December, but uh, had Benton again um, in the first round, which is kind of interesting on the way that that things work. And this game of basketball that we love so much and got out of that one. And then talk a little bit about Xavier running into, again, now a team I imagine, obviously you got, got a chance to watch some film and, and take a look at stuff, but quick turnaround, didn't know a lot about. Um, obviously a, a solid team. Um, but ultimately uh, came up on the short end, 55-50 against Xavier. Uh, what do you remember uh, about that matchup and then ultimately being, um, unfortunately, the last game with, with your seniors? Yeah, um, well, it, you know, I do believe that when you get to the state tournament, you know, I was on Coach Rankin's staff, you know, I know you guys, he, he's talked about that, you know, he went five times before, before they, they won a game and then they they kind of broke through and won the whole, the whole thing. But uh, um, that's not an easy chore to win that first game. Anytime you get down there, you know, you got good basketball teams and good coaches, and six days to prepare for your first game. And, you know, it's that's a tough test. And so being able to win that first game was huge for us. And then Xavier is well coached. They play extremely hard and they run a diamond press better than anybody that we'd seen all year. So we knew if we could break the press, we'd get opportunities. Um, and, you know, I, I told our coaches, I think if we turn the ball over less than 15 times, I think we got a chance. And, you know, we turned over 16 times, but we played in three overtimes. Um, so we kind of accomplished that, you know, but, you know, what happened in that game, I think we played, I mean, the first half was just a rock, a backyard rock fight. It was just a defensive battle. It was 15 to 11 at halftime. And we were playing as good of a defensive half as we played all year. And, you know, they were playing very well defensively. And so it was just tough to score points on either side. And then kind of opened up a little bit in the second half. And, 
neither team probably shot really well. We, we shot uncharacteristic for ourselves. Um, you know, you might say part of that was due to their pressure and it amped us up a little bit. And we, we just, we missed shots in the lane that we usually make, missed some free throws that we typically make and, you know, um, had our chances for sure. I think if you would have talked to coach, coach Lily at uh, Xavier, if they would have lost that game, they would have felt like they had chances and, and lost and uh, we had our chances for sure. And that's, that's tough, but you know, when we go back to that mentality thing, you know, we, we, we made some mistakes that were uncharacteristic for us, but not once did anybody on that team think we were losing and, you know, they were prepared and they were focused. And we talked a lot going into the state tournament about the mental side of it and that, you know, you can't focus on the shots you're missing because that's about 5% of your game. 95% of the game are things you can control. And, you know, a lot of the stuff we talked about, they were picking each other up and thinking about the next play. And our bench was awesome. We had, you know, this kind of sidetracks, but I made a highlight film at the end of the season and, you know, we made like 450 field goals or whatever it was. And you got to go through all the field goals to find your highlights and everything else. And you know, our bench stood up for every single made shot we had all year. You know, and so our bench was way involved. They're all all into it, and our players were all into it. So, you know, from from that standpoint, everything that we ran down the stretch, every play that we ran, every sideline bounce play that we ran, we had prepared for, and we ran it correctly. We got the shots we want. Shots didn't just fall, and you know, it was one of those nights for us that you know I wish we could have made a couple more free throws or made a layup, but uh, our kids played extremely hard, extremely hard, and so. I, I don't fault them at all for it. It's a, you know, we're to the point now where we used to wishing, wish we could get there. And now we're complaining because we lost the semifinal game. So, you know, when you look at the perspective and everything like that, it's, it's, it's quite an honor to be able to say that we've done that two years in a row, but you know, we're just that close. Yeah, that's uh that is awesome. And the, that whole stat and the fact that uh, going back and looking at your made field goals, it just shows the buy-in um, again that we talked to earlier, but specifically your team and the buy-in that the, those girls have in each other and in the program and in the community. Um, and so that's obviously a credit to you and what you uh, are building over there, but talk a little bit. I know you had uh, uh, quite a few seniors. You have to remind me exactly how many I know four yeah. or five, I think on the team, but it's seven. Seven. Okay. As I said, you, you guys are ahead. Like you said, I mean, it, it is something that it's, you know, it takes those seniors to be there and that experience and the growth and um, to kind of get to that point on where you can um, change the mindset. But uh, what yep. was it like? So horn sounds, like you said, you played well, just not well enough um, opportunity with these uh, seven girls that's, uh, you know, over the last four years, you spent a lot of time with. And so what do you remember um, about kind of a little bit of the goodbye at the, at the end of, of that Xavier game. Yeah. Well, I tell you what, you know, when you have a year like this and you've had kind of a, you know, your, your seniors have had four years where I think they won 70 plus games and, you know, that's, that's, that's a pretty big feats. And so yeah, that game ended and I'm walking down the hallway and, you know, and as coaches, you're not really paying attention to what just happened. You're always thinking about what's next and what, what are we going to do if this happens and this happens. And I looked at my assistant and I said, how, how many overtimes did we play? I can't even remember. You know, like, I don't even remember. And we talked about that and we stand out in the hallway for a little bit and we walk in the locker room and, and 
walking my locker room and our team is standing in a circle, you know, it's very emotional and we got girls thanking each other and talking about what they were going to miss. And, you know, that, that moment right there in my coaching career is probably one of the most impactful moments I've had. It was very touching, but also kind of spoke to the type of team we had, you know, we were very deep. And it's always great to be very deep, but it's always very hard to be very deep because um, we had a lot of girls that were probably, I mean, if you're a number in girls who played like number nine, 10, 11, 12, 13, that, that would have played for teams that finished in the bottom half of our conference, they would have started on those teams and played on some of those teams and, and played significant minutes and roles. And, and, and instead they're, they're playing for us and, you know, they're standing up on every made basket and they're cheering for everything. And, you know, we talk a lot about roles and I tell our girls that we need to figure out our roles by Christmas. And then in January, we need to um, work on perfecting our roles. And then in, in February, um, we go and we put it all together. And uh, they did. They, they really did. And, you know, when we talk about our seven seniors, I, you know, I have one senior that started for four years, two seniors that, that played um, two or three years. And then I we had some seniors who, who have been extremely valuable that, you know, didn't get to see the floor maybe as much as if they'd like to. And that's hard. That's one of the hardest things about coaching and the hardest things about basketball is that you can't play more than eight or nine girls consistently. And it, it's very difficult, but uh, um, all seven of our girls impacted our program extremely, extremely uh, well. And, and a lot over the last four years and, and probably of any senior class I've had have impacted our program the most in terms of where the program was when it, when they entered and where the program is when they left. Yeah, that's really neat. And that's fun to look back at. Um, and obviously something you'll remember for a lifetime. And that the story that you just shared with the girls in, in the locker room, it kind of goes all the way back to the perspective and the ability to kind of flip a switch and understand that, hey, what we just accomplished in this year that we had um, and, and be able to to be able to kind of put the thought process there after such a tough game and knowing that it's kind of over. And like you said, from a coaching standpoint, you're still kind of thinking, what could I have done or how do we, what's next or what's coming And there? They've already are on that page of showing appreciation. And so that's really neat. Credit to those kids, um, credit to those girls, again, credit to what you guys are doing. And so um, that's great. It's, it's fun to hear. It's uh, I like your, um, what you said about figuring out our roles by January uh, and then perfecting our roles. And um, that was, that was really neat and good insight. I know for our listeners. And so um, with that, then we turn the page, start to look at summer uh, camps, as you mentioned, you, you know, you kind of taking over that head job, um, all the stuff that comes with, like you said, it's never really off season. It's just a slow season, a slower season, um, preseason and then full go. And so from a, from a summer standpoint, what does the summer look like for you guys? Um, I do have to admit, I saw, uh, somewhere where you guys have, um, a website with, uh, kind of your camp information. Um, I think it had some coaching bios and some of that stuff on there. It felt, felt very college college that you guys yeah. had uh, a website, which, um, Adam and I will attest to from, what we're trying to do here is shoot touch and continue to grow the game. We need to see more of this. Like we need like high school programs, especially down here in the Metro area, whether you like it, love it, hate it. You, 
you're as close to a college program now um, as it's ever going to get. And so um, having a selling point, um, having a website, having a brand, having a Twitter account, all these things, you need these things now. It's 2022. And so I was excited when I saw your uh, website um, and had all that going. It was it was neat. But what is what does summer look like for you guys? Yeah, well, we do. We have a lot of youth camps. We try to have those early. Uh, I think we have camps from second graders through through our eighth graders and then a high school camp. And uh, we do a competition camp on Fridays where we just play. We just, we just show up. I, we split up into teams and we just play. And then our other camps are more skill-based. Um, and then from a varsity standpoint, we'll practice a couple times or have open gym a couple times a week. We host a Sunday uh, night league um, with some teams in the area more because we have some softball girls and multi-sport girls that can't always make some of our other things. So that gives them an opportunity. Um, and then we're going to work. I'm trying to host. I listened to coach Henry talk to you guys at Winterstead. Um, he's been helping me out trying to get, trying to copy his team camp that he had up there at Winterstead with his boy, with boys program. And we've got a pretty We've got a pretty good lineup right now, and we're trying to get a few more teams. So if anybody's listening and wants to join us, we'll take a few more teams. But we're having a team camp at DCG on the 27th, 28th of June. Um, probably we'll attend another team camp um, and just just work on getting better. We have a lot of girls that, that play on the weekends and things like that. So uh, just try and keep the ball in our hands as much as we can. I know a lot of our girls are going in a lot of different directions. So we just try and give as many opportunities as we can in the summer. Yeah, you know, I think that's a that's a big part of it, you know, right? Like, you know, all, all these all these kids, all these, all these <clears throat> high school athletes are playing AAU, um, and just giving them that opportunity. You know, you don't have to be at everything, um, you know, but we're gonna we're gonna put that opportunity in front of you to you know have the uh, have the ability to ho- hopefully make this with your team with your, with your high school team when you're, when you're comparing that to AAU. But um, yeah, I think, uh, you know, I was talking to uh, coach Rankin at the, um, uh, at the all-star game. And I think my little one's going to be at a, at a, at a couple of those DCG camps uh, with him. So he's, he's pretty jacked up about that. But yeah, you know, we talk about all the time on this podcast that the, the youth um, hoops and, you know, the youth having them involved, getting them involved is so important. And it sounds like, you know, on the boys side and the girls side, you know, you guys get that Adam um, at, 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 at the youth level and at the high school level as well. Yeah, there's no doubt about it. It's got to be fun. Got to make it fun for them and, you know, provide opportunities for them to be involved and kind of get to see those girls that they look up to and, and kind of, you know, cross paths there with the future and the current players and, and uh, kind of build build relationships. And it's been something that our staff has done a pretty good job of, I feel like, over the last seven years is building relationships with some of those girls in our youth program. You know, we have a we have a DCG basketball club also during the winter. And, you know, I know it's a lot to ask of my coaches, but uh, those coaches, they get two practices a week. They get – girls get split up on teams and things. And they get two practices a week. And one of the practices they have with their team so they can kind of do – do their thing and, and kind of whatever they want to do with their own team, whether it's work on inbounds plays or whatever, you know, all the stuff that they want to do. But then the other practice each week is with one of my coaches on our staff. And so we coach like all the fourth graders or all the fifth graders or all the sixth graders, they attend a practice. And so we can make sure that we're, we're building those relationships, first of all, and second of all, making sure we're, we're coaching to, to get better and not to win and, and, and do those things. So, um, 
it's been a good experience. And I think that's all kind of played a, play a factor. That's awesome. That's awesome. Definitely, definitely approve of that. And like you said, if there's any, um, if there's any teams looking to, looking to get into um, a camp this summer, connect with coach Jones or connect with us, uh, we'd be, be, be happy to connect to you all. Um, so, you, you know, you mentioned, you mentioned using quite our, uh, excuse me, losing quite a bit of seniors uh, here after this past year. Um, what does, what does next season look like for you and your team? Um, what are, what are ex- expectations on your end? Um, our expectations are we're just going to keep getting better. Um, you know, that's what we want to do. And we have, we have, uh, from an offensive standpoint, you know, a lot of scoring is back from a defensive standpoint, we have some holes we need to fill. Um, but you know, we were deep. And so we have some girls that are ready to go and, and, and we'll keep getting better this summer. And I, I anticipate that we will, you know, we'll, we'll have a team that can compete next year. Um, you know, hopefully for a conference title and, and eventually by the end of the year, hopefully we're fighting to get back in the state tournament and, and make a run. Um, but, you know, we have from an individual standpoint, we have two, two girls who were all state players that were back next year and then uh, an all conference player. And, and uh, um, that's, that's great. But I, I think from a program standpoint, we, um, our depth that we had this year and the, and the ability to push our varsity girls with the girls in practice will, um, will help us improve for next year. How big an impact do you think the shot clock will have, especially on a team like you, you guys that want to defend and make teams uncomfortable? It'll be, it'll be interesting. Uh, I don't know if it's gonna if it's gonna impact final scores or anything like that. Like I think you'll still have the same amount of points scored, but I think that you'll see defensive teams will be rewarded. Um, definitely, I think like if we were able to defend next year like we did this year, that's gonna play into our our hands. Um, I think that. Uh, having a, a, a guard that can um, handle the ball and can kind of break somebody down, those teams that have somebody like that, that can make something happen at the end of a shot clock, I think will be um, uh, interesting to see. I think that'll be a benefit to those teams for sure. Um, you know, teams that communicate and do things well defensively, I think will be, uh, will be in a good situation. I also think you'll see maybe teams press or zone press a little bit more to try and take a little bit of time off the clock just to get into their defenses. It'll be interesting to see kind of what coaches decide to do, but uh, it'll be fun. I'm looking forward to the, the challenge. Well, coach, uh, it's been great to uh, hear your story um, and learn a little bit more about your background and you as a coach. Uh, we like to end our episodes here with a little section we call rapid fire uh, where Brian's going to hit you with a couple questions um, about hoops and some not about hoops. And you just hit us with what comes to the top of your head. Sounds great. All right. First one. Um, favorite visiting gym or arena? Uh, not called Wells Fargo. That you yeah, got an opportunity Wells to go Wells Fargo is my first choice. Um, <laughs> yeah. um, gosh, that's a good one. I, I would say well, we got to play at Johnston twice this year, once against Benton and once against Johnston. You know, that that's a, it's a great facility and it was a lot of fun. We played really well there both times. So, I'd probably say that was this year, probably the most fun place we played. That's a good one. That's a good one. Um, I know you've, uh, you spent a lot of time out on the circuit, uh, coaching and or following uh, your boys. And so favorite club facility to play in? Yeah. Where, where do you like to go? Um, 
maybe almost more so on a fan side of things, but uh, not just niceness. So obviously, Attack's got a really nice facility, but is there is there one of the gyms in the circuit that you kind of like to go to? Um, like, how far are we traveling? As far as you want. Okay. Best facilities outside of all I have attack I've been in is I enjoy the, gosh, it's the West Field House, I think, in Omaha has a pretty nice one. I uh, I like that one too. That's one of my favorite ones just because of the simplicity of it. Like you have, then, eight, you have eight courts and no fluff. Like it's a good setup. Yep. Lawrence, Kansas has a great one as well. Um, it, they, the university worked with the city of Lawrence and they have this facility down there. That's, it's pretty ridiculous how big it is and all the things that are involved in it, but uh, it's a fun place to go as well. Uh, that's cool. That, and I don't know if you've been, have you been to Kansas city to the, Hive Arena. Haven't been down that one. No. The old Kemper Arena. Oh, okay. And, and they they put a floor halfway through the arena, so it's like Wells Fargo, but halfway through they put a floor, and so there's like there's like ten floors up and ten floors down. It's pretty pretty fun. My boys love playing there. That's cool. Yeah, that's a, that's a neat one. Um, all right, so kind of turn back a little bit here. Who wants to be a millionaire? You're on. Who wants to be a millionaire? Who's gonna be your phone a friend? Who would you put for your phone a friend? Knows oh, the, the random stuff. <laughs> what do I need to phone a friend for? I don't even remember. For sure. anything. Like, you don't know. You don't know the question. You just need that person that, who do you know that knows the most random stuff? Uh, my assistant, Rich Kloster, I jokingly say knows some of the most worthless knowledge um, and statistics. So he would probably be a pretty good one to call. And that's a, that's a good assistant. That's what you want. You want someone that uh, can do that stuff for you. So that's a good one. Um, you talked about growing up a Hawkeye. Who's your all-time favorite Hawkeye? Kenyon Murray was one of my favorites growing up. I love Kenyon Murray. Um, uh, gosh, he's probably the one that I love the most growing up. But, you know, I remember them all. Um, you know, I liked watching – James Moses and Roy Marvel and, you know, all, all those guys. I, all the, I, but Kenyon was probably the one I enjoyed watching the most. Kenyon, he was fun. He's super athletic. We had him on the pod, too. That was kind of neat. But uh, Andre Woolrich, like, that was yeah. my guy in that same era, like, watching those one-hand full-court bounce passes. Yeah. Um, game day routine. Do you have any routine or superstition or something that has to happen uh, on game day? Um, I'm, I'm pretty superstitious. My coaches, I make my coaches, we, they all wear the same thing. And if, if we're on the road, I'll wear the same thing. And if we're at home, I, I've worn a tie, but you know, that's it's kind of on its way out. So I think next year I won't be wearing the tie, but I couldn't change that halfway through the year. I asked my wife and she's like, no, you can't change it now. We got to finish the year. So I finished the year. If we, whenever we're in home whites, I wore a tie. So that that's i did that um i have a nervous habit of of chewing i chew mints and i have a pocket full of mints yeah so i i i probably eat about a container of mints in the game but um i don't know I, if i if i lose a game in a certain outfit we don't wear it for a while a couple of rotations a couple of games things like that so love it that's good um favorite sports movie uh well Hoosiers is the best sports movie of all time yeah as a basketball coach major league's a good one um 
I don't know if The Last Dance is considered a movie, but if it was, that'd probably be my number two. So, yeah, no, uh, yeah, I, I agree with all that. And I like the major league. Like that was, that was, that's, that's our era right there. I feel like that hits, uh, hits a little different to the, the, those uh, early late nineties kids. And so that's a good one. I'm glad you brought it's that up. Rookie of the year for sure. Yeah. Oh, I agree. I agree. Um, all right. So this uh, real, real close to us, uh, obviously with me just across the way, Urbandale kids go Johnson, Adam spent some time in Grimes, but we still need your take on heading over to Grimes to catch a game. Where do we got to stop and grab a bite to eat before the game? Oh, I would say probably the most popular, maybe sports bar type places would be the Chicken Coop or Mustang Grill in town, probably the two. By basketball season, we'll probably have about four or five new ones. I don't I have no idea. We're growing so fast. Who knows? That is true. And those are those are two good options. Um, yeah, can't go wrong. Can't go wrong with either one of those. Um, all right, two more, Coach. We'll get you out of here. Uh, Shooter's Touch, uh, name of the podcast for a lot of reasons. But uh, what does it mean to you um, if you or one of your players uh, has what we call the Shooter's Touch? Oh. Well, I think immediately think that um, if you got the Shooter's Touch, it's, you know, it's when you get that good roll or that soft touch on your shot. But that comes with hours of practice when the lights are off and no one's watching and you know that's where your confidence is built and so I think shooter's touch has a lot to do with a lot of reps and a lot of confidence so that when you do need that shooter's touch or that role it happens that's good yep I like it all right last one we'll get you out of here uh, what's the best part about having the opportunity to be the head girls coach at Dallas Center Grimes? Um, man, well, DCG is a pretty special place for me. I've been, I mean, I've been living in town for 20 years and I've lived, been in the district for 18 and all four of my kids have gone to school here. They've had great experiences in school. They've all had great coaches and, and great people. And I think all of them are going to leave DCG better people because of the people here. Um, as far as, as the coaching aspects, you know, I just love the game and I love to share it. I think I've had the, the privilege of coaching some very high quality kids who come from high quality families. You know, I just, I, I just really love basketball because it's about the process of bringing a group of people together and reaching the potential. You're reaching your potential by March or February, and you know, it starts over every year. That whole process is just, um, it's what I love about basketball. It's what I love about coaching. And I think that, you know, if you enjoy the relationships, and I enjoy relationships I've made with my players, both current and former, um, and just continue to watch them grow and reach their potential after they leave DCG is kind of, what I love about it. Perfect, Coach. Well, we appreciate you taking some time to uh, chat with us, share your story, uh, get some insight from you. Uh, we're excited to continue to watch the program and see how you guys continue to grow um, and compete. Uh, and obviously, several more, several more trips to Wells Fargo. Yep, let's plan on it. 
Awesome, Coach. As Brian said, thank you for your time. It was great to talk to you. Great to meet you. Um, and we will be uh, looking forward to seeing some more Mustang games uh, here in the future for sure. Thanks, guys. And thanks for all you do for uh, high school hoops. It's great.